0: You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org, or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. My name is Tracy Lee. You can find me on Twitter at Lady Leet, and I'm joined by one of my co-hosts today, Jesse Tomchuk. Hi, Jesse. Hello.
1: (laughs) Hi. Happy to be here.
0: <laughs> and today we have a very special guest, Guillermo Rauch, who who is the CEO of Vercel. And you guys might be familiar with Next.js as well. And we are just so excited to have you on, Guillermo. It's so good to see you. It's been a while.
2: Really excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So we have all these burning questions. So we went out and asked a bunch of developers kind of what they wanted to hear from you that they can't find googling everything else so we have a lot of fun questions but we also hope that you're gonna give us all the secrets (laughs) Uh, i'm down i'm
2: down (laughs) i love this setup i love this buildup.
0: let's
1: go this is like the dish or the scoop this is like the uh the exclusive uh front page behind the scenes there you go so i wanted to start um you know so many Times we dive into technical details uh, and and just get right to like gritty parts, but I want to talk higher level about maybe the the Jamstack in general. Um, we pose this question about like what is the Jamstack, and I actually got more questions about what context are you using it in instead of answers. So it's like right the the Jamstack is this, has it, for so many people become synonymous with with like. JavaScript full stack frameworks and deploying to the edge and like, like, is it just an umbrella term that we talk about or, or maybe you could describe what you think Jamstack is and then yeah. could sort of branch from there.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, we, we tend to use a lot of this umbrella terms with, you know, we, we exchange one for the other a lot when we talk about modern, software development. And I think when you would say serverless, when we say Jamstack, I think these terms become quite blurry. Similar to how, if you remember, HTML5 used to be. As an example, we used to say HTML5 for things that were not at all in the HTML5 spec. Uh, I think there was a little bit of that also with like newer versions of ECMAS script, like, oh, that's ES6. Well, no, that's actually not ES6. This is stage a stage zero PS28 proposal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think Jamstack has that kind of vibe to it where it's synonymous with, yes, pushing the web forward. And we are using, and like you said, we're using certain uh, architectures differently. We're using the CDN more as a development tool, I would say. Like it's more of a thing that the developer thinks about rather than an architecture piece that gets put in later by the DevOps team. So that's one component of it. It does bring up this question of like JavaScript is front and center. JavaScript is not just a condiment that you sprinkle. Again, like it's a lot about saying what your priorities are rather than things that you were previously doing because you were absolutely doing those things, right? Like I think this is where a lot of people get caught up with, well, I'm not doing that or I've been doing that for 10 years already. So what's new about it? And I think that's true for serverless as well. Like a lot of people in the, uh, that experienced PHP were like, well, I was doing, or CGI bin, even. I've been doing serverless for 30 years. So I think these trends serve as pointers toward where we want to be and where we think the industry is going. And I think it's not, personally, my take is since we're talking about like burning questions, like I think my, my main take is stacks. Are not that interesting. I think like ab- abiding religiously to a stack is also not very productive to your company. Uh, it's also not very informative because like if you just say markup API and JavaScript, you're not really giving a useful tool necessarily to the developer to reason about. And that's why I've always have been saying, like, let's you know, talk more about how we build things, let's talk about how we productionize things. So Next.js, for example, is our answer to. How do, how do I build a top-notch, uh, high-performance web application? Well, just use Next.js. X.js. I think the similar thing happened back in the day with Lampstack, right? If I tell you, well, go and use Lampstack, I'm not really being that helpful to you. But if I tell you, go and use WordPress, you, I could have you know, pointed you in the right direction for a wide number of use cases way back in the day.
1: Yeah, it seems like Jamstack has taken on a, a sort of pronoun term of of like uh like when you go to the south and you order uh, a coke the, the response yeah. is what kind would you like and you're just like uh root beer right it's a yeah. very sort of general sort of umbrella term totally um,
0: it's almost like you, um instead of web you know we've we've all been waiting for web
2: 3.0
0: but maybe it's not web 3.0 it's jamstack jamstack yeah it,
2: like i said it it reminds me It reminds me a little bit of uh, HTML5, where I think we, like, we don't even use the term today anymore, or, or we use it in very specific contexts, um, but we used it as an umbrella term for saying like, modern web, I'm innovating, I'm using the latest features. And I think to, to um, the point that you made, JavaScript being the first letter and being like a big thing there, I do think that's really important, because I've talked to a lot of people who are like, their, their biggest problem for modernizing was always, how do I figure out this JavaScript strategy? And again, our take with Next.js is opinionated. We say like, well, it's React, is components. That's how you can collaborate with the team. That's how you can reuse. That's what, how you can compose. Um, and again, like I think it's all about uh, saying, okay, like I buy into modernizing the web and pushing it forward, but how do I do it? And I think that's where more of the interesting discussions happen.
1: On the idea that JavaScript is sort of gluing this together, uh, one of the responses in when we were I was talking Jamstack is is someone had had made the comment that with React being so accessible and, and sort of onboarding so many people, that JavaScript itself is sort of law like uh, lost the ability, like what is JavaScript specifically and what is sort of JavaScript ecosystem? And at first I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, so he's like, if you import a CSS file, JavaScript doesn't do that. Like Webpack is like doing that for you under the covers. And I was like, oh yeah, like there's these layers of assumptions that we've started to sort of build on. um, And I wonder,
2: does that make it more accessible or less accessible? I think that's a brilliant observation. I think you have to recognize that we're always building in terms of layers and that's how we make progress in every domain of engineering or science. And I think we took JavaScript as the base layer and we built another layer on top that now we take to, uh, we consider to be the platform. And I think this is ex- extremely true for the React phenomenon where we said okay we're going to be pushing the syntax forward in many different ways and and i love this because syntax should come after requirement and not before it right like we shouldn't be sitting around in a committee saying like what syntax should we use instead we should be saying what are the types of things that we're writing today what things can we make more ergonomic so if you since we're talking about ECMA and the evolution of the JavaScript language, I saw the co-evolution of the language with the boundaries that React was pushing. So for example, um, the React community was a massive proponent and early adopter of you know, arrow functions. And there was a lot of usage of you know, little components where you're just returning some markup and you want to make that more ergonomic to write and read. Um, this happened again when React at the time was using classes for components, right? And we didn't have the class syntax. So React had react.createClass, right? So uh, again, the React community was saying like, oh, we need you know, better syntax for this. We need to make this better. Let's elevate the language for the requirements that we have. JSX is another clear one to me where we now take that to be a part of the language. And I think the best example of this is that TypeScript with no extra configuration, as far as I remember, um, you just use a .tsx file and now it supports JSX syntax. So I think that's the right direction for us to go. I think we shouldn't say, well, we take it again, like that purest interpretation of like, well, the JavaScript language is with this thing that was written by Uh, you know, this person on this date, and that's what JavaScript means to me. And that React thing, well, that's not JavaScript, because I have this golden, you know, set of commandments of the owners of the JavaScript language. And I think that's uh, true for your comment about importing CSS. I think it, it explains why Webpack and Babel have sort of exploded in popularity, where developers are constantly demanding to extend the syntax and the power of the language, MD. It explains MDX. The fact that we took Markdown and we put React components in it, and the popularity of that ecosystem, uh, and it's just been really fascinating to watch.
0: Where do you see, um, you know, the next, gosh, five or even ten years for for sell, uh, based on kind of what you're seeing right now in the ecosystem?
2: So one of the interesting things that uh, I think DHH recently called the pendulum swinging back um, when React Server Components got announced, and I think even concurrently that week or the week before or the week after, uh, he announced his, his own take on how to do server-initiated rendering with Ruby on Rails that they could uh, become more dynamic with JavaScript on the client side with A combination of technologies. And he called it a pendulum swinging back because, um, you know, for the past few years, we've been talking a lot about Jamstack, static, single page applications. But the trend that is coming from even the creators of React, but the success of Next.js in the wild is the opposite of static. It's it's going really back even to the origins of Next.js, which was like server rendering focused in the beginning. Then we added static and gemsec capabilities later on. But I think what I see in the next uh in this decade really is we're going to take full advantage of the dynamism of the web without sacrificing that initial boot up performance. And what I mean by this is. Today you open Twitter, and this actually get really annoyed. Like You see the you know the, the bird, then you see a spinner, then you see another spinner, then you see another spinner. And, and that's worked for them, right? Like the, the new twitter.com that replaced you know the previous one is really good in a number of innovative ways due to client side interactivity, where the old Java stack was just not good. And I've always used that as an example of the success of Jamstack because like look, the old uh, monolithic server full Java app got replaced with this pure JS, pure React app that is super client side heavy. But does that mean that that's good enough? I would argue no. You can have the cake and eat it too on the web. You can have that sort of incredible first experience when you come to a website, when you come to a, an e commerce uh, experience. And then you can resume that rendering on the client side, and this is truly what I mean by like the power of JavaScript, right? Like you can run it on the server. you can run it at the edge. you can run it at build time. You can run it on the client side. We can literally put it everywhere, and we can slice it and dice it and put it in the places where it should be to enable the best performance, user experience, and so on. So to to answer that more concretely, I see that pendulum swinging back, but it's not a swing in terms of, I think that's where DHH and I would disagree. It's not that we swung back and, like, oh, now we don't do anything on the client. No, I think it's all about doing both. And this is where hybrid frameworks like Next.js uh, are really pushing things forward in a, in a way that I think is really positive.
1: Do you think in the, so with, that sort of a- expansion, um, I know one of the things that always comes up when we talk about uh, JavaScript everywhere, right, is, is eventually, it, like someone will mention Electron as a second-class citizen of like application work and offline work and things like that. Is there, what work does do we need to do in the ecosystem to make sort of like this experience that, that, that we've got work better sort of offline? Like we're running javascript on the edge and we're running it on the server and we are running it on the client and we're mm-hmm. running right places but like how do we like pwa is great but like how do we how do we push that one more step so that like the average consumer is like native app and like dynamic web app like is so like it's blurry I, now
2: and distinguishable and yeah
1: yeah just becomes like a, 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 a non-starter a not barrier right um right now we're like building targets for react native and we're sending you know bundles here and here and here and where's that is in 10 years is that golden bundle there that the web app is offline it's accessible it's it rehydrates its server its edge it's and and then like my overhead as a developer is like oh i just you know i i i don't have to deal with the the pieces that next yeah. or, or frameworks have done it for me so so, so take me to that beautiful place yermo like that's where i want to live
2: Yeah, uh, I'll I'll definitely take you. I want to go there really bad. So, the I'll say there's a lot of that. I think is a really 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 interesting question. I'll start with what I know about today, right? Like what's happening today? Because like this is the thing about our industry, right? Like everyone is at, at different stages of their own evolution. So like we can always look to, you know, what are other innovators doing today that could perhaps point us to where the broader industry and broader community could go in the future. One of the things that I see with a lot of Next.js, like the biggest customers of Next.js, is that they're embedding Next.js experiences more and more and more in their native app experiences, but not necessarily in a way where you would notice. So maybe it's the page that got rendered within a certain pane and the pane was still managed by a native sort of um, you know overlay Or, or or boundary that enabled more advanced things that the web is not quite there yet, with like gestures and some sort of high level animations and so on. So, what's really nice to see is that the web continues to find itself in more and more places, not always driving the whole experience. But I think, you know, in terms of predicting the future, um, I like to, you know, look to the past and see like what lessons we could pick up from there. One, one interesting thing about like what's driving the experience and that question, we can relate it to the genesis of Next.js because when I started Next.js, my main obsession was React needs to drive the entire experience. Everyone was talking about building React components. I wanted to build React pages. And that's where sort of, you could almost guess the entire design of Next.js from that simple requirement because that's how we came up with the pages directory. That's how we came up with like, you start with a page, the router is built in, the router is gets out of the way. All the design decisions of Next.js were like, I want React to drive everything. And at the time, I also took inspiration from, I think it's Cycle.js, I think it was called, this library oh, yeah. that that really emphasized the concept of um, composability and embeddability. And um, uh, the word that um, Andre, the the founder used a lot was fractality, like a fractal in terms of like infinite embedding Um, and anything can compose with anything else. So my my idea was the Next.js page is in itself a component. And in my first presentation at React Conf, one of the things that I showed was my slide deck was built with Next.js. And then I took two demo apps that I had built with Next.js and I embedded them as slides in the presentation. So like slide 14 was Next News, which was like the Hacker News clone. And then like, I think it was probably a really nice demo at the time. I think it's slide 25 was the Vercel website that I embedded inside the slide deck presentation. And it was all driven by the web browser and the and and URLs. So that fractality was super important to me. And that's what uh, made me uh, push for okay, react drives everything react drives the entire rendering. But keep in mind this at the time, Facebook, because of how big companies have to evolve their code bases, Facebook was not yet able to use React in that manner. It only took, and this we're talking 2016, 2015, it only took them until 2020 with lots and lots of gradual releases and experiments and measurement until you can say Facebook.com is entirely driven by React and not PHP plus hack plus. I use React for certain components, so progress is not always obviously you know linear or predictable, and, and uh, because there's so many obstacles, like getting things in that ideal place, especially when you're thinking about massive, massive operations like something like Facebook.com. Um, so I can take that to understand where you know the web driving more experiences uh, top-down, especially on mobile devices and native mobile native contexts and app stores would look like. So today the web is finding itself more as a component, but I think what we'll see likely in the future is that it takes over more and more of the experiences and starts driving more because the programming model is better because the publishing model is better because the lazy code execution model is better. There's all these sort of axiomatic principles that you have that you can say, well, the web is objectively, objectively better there.
0: I think it's really funny because I kind of hear these things and, you know, I'm wondering, has, have, have you ever explained to any of your investors like uh, Vercel is going to move towards more no-code solutions for developers? Does no code or low code ever come into play when you? So
2: <laughs> I think I think I think to some extent they do because the web in my mind has always been a mix of low code and it's part of the uh, it's part for the course, right? So um, a, a phenomenon that I always point to that I think is fascinating is how like when you go on Reddit and you go to like um, or, or Twitter, like you look at like people that create memes. They use dev tools a lot to like fake experiences, headlines, modify websites, et cetera. Like the IDE for a website is right there in the web browser. I think this is something that like I can never get over entirely of how fascinating that is. Like uh, it's, it's the medium is the message and the message is a medium in, in, in its full sort of technological representation. Like the the thing that you're using to browse the web is the thing that, okay, like right now, it doesn't have full potential to modify it. Like you can inspect an element, you can edit something and then it gets thrown away. But there's no reason that we will stop there, right? Um, Just like we embedded this incredibly powerful IDE debugger inspector, uh you know extensible development experience in a web browser i think the web has always lent itself to this no code low code type manipulation like i I remember a tweet from last year i think it was nat the ceo of github he uh, rediscovered that he can turn a website into design mode there is this top level attribute that you can say uh, that you can set on the html element i i believe um where you can say, "Hey, put this page on on design mode," and then you have basically like Squarespace in your web browser. I mean, it's it's clunky. It's it's uh, you know that that specific spec and approach has not seen an update in many many years. But every website you visit has this attribute you can flip called design mode, and now the entire page is an authoring surface. Um, I think the web is the ultimate that platform for everybody to contribute to. And this is actually something that we emphasize a lot with investors, we we don't necessarily use those buzzwords. Um, but one thing we say is we see the role of the developer in the, in the coming years as an enabler and amplifier of the rest of the team, not all of whom have technical skills. So that's uh, how you can understand, for example, why we hear so much about headless CMS. What's exciting about headless CMS? Is it that you're decoupling? No, that's a pain in in the butt. Is it that um, you're shopping for vendors for CMS? No, that's also a pain in the butt. So what is it? Well, it's that before the page was only editable by developers, now you plug in that headless CMS or headless e-commerce technology, and now the entire company, team, everybody can, Propose content changes, submit content, like they're basically editing the website, right? So that's the trend that's really exciting to me is developers are acting to democratize their skills. Sometimes it's in very concrete ways, like, oh, I just added a drag and drop interface to the website and you can edit it in line. But just because you have direct manipulation... Like that's just one way of enabling collaboration, and again, no code, low code, etc. One thing we see a lot with Next.js customers is they'll pick a headless CMS vendor that allows them to map React components to headless CMS block counterparts. So now the team is not only just the the for example marketing business teams are not just editing text in a um, you know, Word type experience, like the the old WordPress editor where like you embed a tiny MCE or one of those rich text editors that break every other day. No, they're actually mapping the code data structures, the component shapes into editable forms on the CMS. So the, the nice thing about that collaboration is happening between developer and and non-developer is that the developers are still bringing a sense of normalcy and technical execution to the, that's I think really necessary because we have to remember performance, we have to remember accessibility, we have to remember all these things. And uh, so I think that's one way in which that is already happening. And what we're seeing too in the Next.js Ecosystems, I've heard of, you know, at the very least, a, a dozen teams that are working on, uh, you know, visual programming experiences on top of Next.js, which I think is gonna be another very exciting direction.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely um, that sort of collaboration that gets involved. You know, headless CMS is such a buzzy word, but what it comes down to is everybody gets to participate, right? Yeah. Anybody on the team in marketing can generate, they can go in, add a page, fill it out, right? Use, Use those markup, Things like uh, standout or announcement. Um, you yep. know, I I've used MDX for these specific things. It's like, oh, if you just wrap it in this little thing, it'll give you this like announcement thing that shows up and that live preview, right? We talked about that that like that empowerment down downstream. I think has has really amplified and given a voice to tools like headless CMS, right? It's it's that everybody gets to see their work in the same way that we
2: do every day. Absolutely. And I think what's nice about this um, balance is everyone is still participating in the software development process. Because I think what I've seen, um, I think, you know, the, what we're talking about like pure static, pure dynamic, well, the solution is actually hybrid. I always see that, you know, the industry evolves by saying, well, let's go to this extreme, uh, away from this other extreme and you know and there was actually we should have been in the middle if i see that too with like um tools that have tried to empower non-technical people well okay now let's create this silo where the developers don't even have a voice they don't have a way to submit a performance improvement they don't have a way of submitting adding middleware they don't have a way of ensuring that the performance is great right And 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 then, or then we swing to like well Here's how, like, uh, you add a marketing page. Learn JSX and JavaScript, and submit a GitHub pull request. Like, I've seen both, and what I always see is that the most effective teams and solutions are the ones that you know end up in a hybrid place.
1: Yeah, I think it limits your ability to reach, or, or you know, limits participation, or that sort of scope and funnel when you've got like. Git commits or WYSIWYGs, right? There's, yes. if, if you're not working in the middle where where developers can improve and iterate and, you know, uh, we keep using marketers, but anyone in the company, right? The marketing, billing, uh, accounting, you know, any of those people can come in and, and sort of generate, do their job, right? Do the thing that they're really good at, create yeah. rules, yeah. Uh, d- got company processes, right? Any of those things that as developers, we can't, or aren't really good at. We're not equipped to do these things. We're not uh, as skilled. Like that enablement, I think is, I mean, that's why I enjoy development is because people do stuff with the things that, that we make and they do great, really cool things. Um,
2: yeah, and going back to like that, you know, 10 year vision, I think it's, it's literally that meme where like on the left, one thing, on the right, one thing, handshake. I think it's like, with a wig, uh, git. You know, like, it's not that, oh, it's only Git, or it's only Wizz, it's literally like Git, Wizzitwig, Handshake, because the developers will have to be there in the loop to define that infrastructure, to define the components, to define the middleware, to define the uh, accessibility uh, you know, principles. And then the sort of WYSIWYG or or whether it's CMS, or whether it's other ways of populating the data, I've seen it all. Like, I've seen spreadsheets being used as data sources for Next.js. I've seen, uh, you know, WordPress, I've seen Drupal, I've seen modern CMS, I've seen it all, like they're both participating, and then they're shipping something that users love. Um, and I think that's really what the web is about.
0: Well, if you look at, uh, you know, just kind of the future evolution, right, it's, it's funny, because you you look at WordPress, and, you know, with all these things that we're talking about, enabling marketers and things like that. It's almost like, you know, the entire web platform is moving to, we're going back to WordPress in a sense, right? But just kind of in a more modern fashion, which I actually find quite interesting. And I also look at how the web is advancing, right? So a lot of this tooling makes it, um, F- freeze up time for developers to not have to worry about these things and i think a lot of developers might look at that and say oh my gosh you know i'm being you know i'm being technologied out of a out of a job but what i hear is that um development positions are going to move more towards architecture related things and kind of being the glue that holds things together whereas a lot of tools are going to be uh just kind of doing the, you know the work that you don't really have to do, right? Yeah, off the
2: shelf. I, I agree. I agree completely, and that's what I meant by the role of the developer being more of an enabler, yes, an amplifier, and architect. And I think to your point about WordPress, I, I do think that history rhymes when it repeats itself. And I think yes. one of the one of the distinctions is again going back to JavaScript as a focus. I think you know we've sort of learned that if Everything is off the shelf. If all the components that you could use, like Stripe provides payments, Twilio provides CMS, Auth0 provides authentication, uh, uh, Segment provides event analytics, and all these things become extremely easy to use APIs. And now we're seeing that now happen for CMS and for e-commerce. Then it follows that the value add is in what you do on the front end, which is you know where javascript sort of uh takes a center place and that's why again like it's similar it, it rhymes but i think having the react components the foundation having the versatility to use those apis to bring data from everywhere in the world as opposed to like oh i'm just gonna uh, I can only grab data from the MySQL database attached to this WordPress instance. I think that was a very limiting factor, right? Like Next.js is fundamental API. So I mentioned like the genesis was like, oh, pages. But what we needed to do is that these pages couldn't just be static. They need to get the data from somewhere. So the only other piece of API that we added on top of React was this you know, function for getting data. So we what we could have done too is we could have just monolithically embed a database into it, right? Because that that's how you would have copied WordPress in a way. You would have said, well, you know, again, Lamp Stack or some Stack, and we're 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 going to add a dependency on Mongo, or like Meteor did, or we're going to add a dependency on MySQL and some sort of ORM on top, like WordPress did. Instead, we took what was seemingly the harder road which was well actually it's up to you where you bring the data from but that and I don't I don't like to use like the word enterprise because it means so many different things but I do think that if we take enterprise to be the synonymous with you know well performing bigger business or teams that are maintaining and being responsible for lots and lots of different systems that have evolved over time, um, and where clean slate architectures are not very welcome. I think Next.js served to bring um, innovation to that world where it like, okay, innovate on the front end layer and then plug in whatever data source you need to plug in and then evolve your um, your continue to evolve your business forward. So yeah, I think a lot of those data sources and things you plug into will be off the shelf. But that's a super empowering thing rather than like, I'm taking your job away because now developers are, you know, empowered to make really incredible and impactful business decisions. Like again, choosing the right CMS could be the difference between like amplifying or inhibiting the rest of the company to participate in building for the web. So that's, I think, a very powerful thing. And also how fast you can move when you don't have to worry about, oh, like now I'm maintaining a database and now I'm maintaining my own CMS and now I'm maintaining my own backend. That's a drag, I think, on how fast you can make progress.
0: I think this is also like what, you know, it's it's interesting because you know you guys are you know building on top of the react ecosystem you see things like blitz and redwood also building on top of the react right kind of having react as default and um you know whether or not it was intentional for react to have this happen i don't think it was intentional if you look at the other frameworks it it kind of makes me sad because i feel like react is Literally going to become synonymous with JavaScript, and the other frameworks, you know, because there aren't ecosystems as, you know, extensive as what's being built on top of the React ecosystem, um, are not going to be as long-lived, which makes me really sad. <laughs> but I think I think, the, I
2: think um, the the good thing is that the way that the web has evolved. It always retains its optionality, and I think that's a beautiful thing. What I think what you're referring to, it has a lot to do with like network effects. Has a lot to do with like, you know, what are the, where is the value that it can reuse? What's out there in open source, right? Like, if, um, as a good example, we created this component that I'm really proud of. Two of our uh, team members that work on our design system, um they created this combo box component that I tweeted about two days ago. Um, and it's, it, what I find that incredible about it is that to my knowledge, that's the first time, I think there. I actually to be fair, I think the Adobe team has been doing incredible work here too. So I was about to say something really ridiculous. I was, but okay, it's one of the first times that I've seen a autocomplete component that works really well on mobile web. And what's what's beautiful about it too is that it's been designed, by again, t- solving the hardest problem first and then the other ones are easy. So in this case, I think mobile web, especially in like Safari, writing a good component with auto-completion, it's harder, I think, you know? And it's actually not that hard. So I always encourage people to pay attention more to what they can do today on the mobile web, like without dreaming about like, Tim Cook saying tomorrow, actually, I woke up today and like, it's not right to put all these constraints and like charge for developer licenses and like 30% tax and all that. And actually I'm gonna rewrite everything on top of the web. No, I think that's not gonna happen, but what you can do today, like you'd be surprised at how much you can do today if you put your eye on it. And and this component is a React component and to make it accessible, we build up of React Aria and that capability like did not exist like that that's again like reusing the value has already been created and open source and shared in the ecosystem sure we could have started with you know another approach but i don't think we sh- we would have found that you know uh, set of reusable components on top of which we could build on top a really great solution and guess and and, and this is going uh, i guess fractal is the theme for today now we built value on top. We have this component. We're going to open source it, so now everybody can use this combo box. And so to your point, um, if you were and googled for JavaScript, mobile friendly or widget, I don't, th- I don't think you would have ended up at a, at what you needed to do to like ship a great experience for your website. Now, if you qualify that search with React, well, now you're actually getting a ton of value. So I think that's kind of how the, that's the, the, the way that we could explain why React is becoming the platform. It's because it elevated the abstraction. So now the starting point is a lot more meaningful for what you're looking for. And then that creates this sort of fractality of, now someone's gonna build something on top of that combo box and they're gonna open source it. And then somebody going back to like, with Next.js you can even share pages. Someone's gonna build the entire subsystem that you can plug into your existing Next.js application. Like you can mount a blog or CMS or whatever. So I think it's very hard to, it's almost like when you a know, uh, nuclear reaction going back to like the logo of React, reaches criticality and it becomes this like chain reaction of energy release. That's how I look at this, you know, component, uh, composability playing out in the real world.
1: Yeah, I wonder if, if in this sort of timeline that we're talking about, if we haven't reached the sort of end of, of fundamentals and sort of just the beginning of innovation where we're we're sort of done building blocks, right? Uh, basics. And now we all have these these sort of tools, these sort of like hammer yeah. and, and and arrow and like we have these primitive tools now that we're not constantly making over and over. Like totally. how many carousels do we want to make? Like so, so now it's like the birth <laughs> of innovation, right? We're all putting these pieces totally. together on top. Um,
2: totally. Absolutely. How far Actually I would qual- I would time? qualify I would qualify that a little bit though. I actually would love to see more carousels because, and this is another beautiful trend that I'm seeing in the React community. When hooks were introduced, like I was like, holy mother of God when I saw it because I was like, okay, now you can take something that is invisible and also package it and share it in open source. I think at the time I called it like, it's like components for data reusability, which like, Uh, I think it was an interesting observation in in that it was wrong because it's more than just data, it was right in so far, like it explains some of the hooks that have gotten popularity, like SWR and React Query, and etc. But what's interesting about hooks is that you're seeing a lot of folks package behavior that has no like it's the headless UI component trend has been fascinating because it's so unintuitive, headless UI doesn't make any sense, UI, user interface, how can it be headless? So the fact that React developers like Tanner, Linsley have been saying, okay, here's a set of tools that are not prescribing the front end experience, but you're basically not, and React area is another wonderful example for accessibility. And there's so many others that I'm downshift, and there's many others that I'm blanking on now, um, but these are reusable, invisible, tools that provide infrastructure on the interaction and data fetching level. And then you can actually like, so If, if uh, what I meant by I wanna see more carousels is that maybe, you know, and certain news websites, things that the carousel should look a certain way. Another one, another person innovates with like, you know, just like Apple innovated back in the day with, uh, remember the iPod had that view of the album art and like somewhere smaller on the sides. And then like you slide and it feels good. All oh, those yeah, yeah, things. The,
1: uh,
2: yeah, what was that called?
1: Album artwork. Right? Uh, they dropped it into the finder at one point. Yeah. It was like yep. uh, show art or something like that where it like thumbs through like an old jukebox. Yes. yes. Oh, so
2: gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's my point it's like your starting point of building that in a way that is performant, accessible, even pre-rendered or server-rendered if you want, to your point about like all those tools are already there, TypeScript, like you can make it correct to the better, best extent that you can. Uh, reusable, repackageable, TSDX, you can publish it to NPM, like all that groundwork is done. So it, it really has been the best time to innovate because now you can be like Apple and be like, without having like a trillion developers and a trillion dollar market cap, you can be like, you know what, I'm going to spend a couple of days on building this innovative experience uh, for showing, you know, this carousel of albums, and maybe what that took Apple, like, again, like, 20 PhDs in two years, and probably actually took not that many people, but my point is being, like, I can do that with React in, like, a couple of days, and again, I'm also pulling off an Stack Overflow style estimation, but... It really has been a great time to to uh, to innovate on top of all these existing tools.
0: Well, I think that's all we have time for, but it was really, really good catching up. And, you know, especially talking about, I feel like just uh, where our industry is headed. So it's great to have you, um, you know, backed by, I, I was so happy when I saw Vercel get so much funding, right? It, you guys just announced that 50 million. I'm like, oh man, y'all are going to be around for a while. Y'all are going to really be able to like push the ecosystem forward. Um, and, you know, we're seeing everybody. I mean, who doesn't know about Next.js these days, right? So we're excited. Yeah, I'm
2: really really happy to uh, have this opportunity. And uh, as always, we're, we're building this together with the community. So uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at @rouge_g. R-E-U-C-H-G, with comments, ideas, feedback. If you want to learn more about these technologies, I always tell people to go to nextjs.org learn. It basically walks you through all the fundamentals of the framework. It's very, very quick. And uh, by the end of it, you should um, have a live website deployed on the Vercel platform that you can share with us. So um, I'd love to, uh, to see that.
0: Awesome! Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. See you next time. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by This Dot Labs, a framework-agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this slash labs. That's T H I S D O T dot C-O slash labs.